from the mast and gloved studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another Get Outside and Grow Something episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. In this time of social upheaval and toilet paper shortages, more and more people want to start or expand their gardens. If only we could grow our own papyrus. On today's show, we'll continue to edumacate all of yous on proper technique and reinforce warnings about tilling and horse manure. Plus your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and hilariously astute histonification. So keep your eyes and or ears, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than you eating bodacious Brussels sprouts right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners, school bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. All right, welcome to another all new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, we will continue our recent trend of advice for new gardeners and gardeners without a lot of experience. We wanna help you all grow lots of food this summer. But mostly it's going to be a fascinating phone call show, kids, at 833-727-9588. Robbie, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi there. I kind of expected to hear that wonderful robotic voice from Forbidden <laughs> Planet, you know. I don't think I can do that. Oh, <laughs> man. Mimic. <laughs> yeah, I am programmed to respond to the name Robbie. <clears throat> Love that movie. So uh, where is this Robbie calling from? Well, I'm in Lewisbury, Pennsylvania, which is South Central, um, and uh, not not that far away from Rodale Gardens, but I have never managed to put my foot in the car and drive there. Oh, you mean the Rodale Institute? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, I don't... Let's see. When is this show going to air? We're taping a whole marathon in advance but I know in May they're going to have a, a, a drive-by plant sale where, oh. where you'll order uh, live plants online and they'll hand them to you in your car just as if they were a cold pizza, you know. Okay. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to go. And I'm not sure what the deal is with them under the coronavirus restrictions, uh, but they have a beautiful display garden that is certainly worth walking around. Right. Especially in the month of June, when I think everybody's garden looks good, and it's like having a six-year-old in your house. Put them in the freezer. Don't let them get older <laughs> and weedy. Sounds good. Yeah. Yes, weedy. That's one of my problems. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what can we do you for, Rob? Well, I have uh, three types of raspberries. I have Anne's, Caroline's, and Heritage. Okay. And the ants in particular seem to be plagued with whatever this is that's affecting them. Huh. And the lower leaves will turn yellow and drop off. Hmm. 
some of the canes start growing out and get long and spindly, and they don't often fruit even when I prune them. Yeah. And, uh, oh, what else? Here? Now, I'm, I'm very familiar with heritage. That's okay. the variety that I grow. Mm-hmm. And they're very reliable, two crops a year. I just, I just love them. And I'm very familiar with Caroline's because that's a, um, a popular commercial variety. My friends, the DeVaults, who have Pheasant Hill Farm in Veracruz, PA, mm-hmm. they grow a lot of Caroline's. So, and those are bigger berries. Oh, they're wonderful. I love them. I prefer the taste of heritage, personally. Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. That's, that's I could almost rip my heritage out and put more care. Oh, don't you in. dare! I no. won't. I All right, won't. guys, guys, <laughs> hang up on her. Okay, time for another call. How dare you! Next thing you're going to insult my tomatoes. Well, no, I'm having tomato trouble. So tell me about Anne. Um, is it a is it a red variety or is no, it gold? No, it's a golden, golden. And, well, uh, you know, guess what? What? Um, I guess we we bought this house 35 years ago mm-hmm. and one of the first things I did was put in tomatoes the second year I put in um, raspberry canes that a neighbor gave me in the spring as his new crop came up mm-hmm. and then everybody was talking about fall gold mm-hmm. which was the original golden variety and I forget right. where I got the canes from but they grew really well for a couple of years and then they just faded out. I mean, they weren't overrun by the heritage or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They just seemed a lot less hardy. Yes, I would agree. So where, where are you getting your canes? Uh, I got them, I think, mail order from Gardens Alive. Okay, so they arrived bare root, but they, uh-huh. they resuscitated. and. Um, oh, yeah, they grew great. How many years do you think that your golden raspberries grew well? Mm, 10, maybe 12. You got no complaint. You got no complaint. No. I mean, no. I mean, regrettably, I shared the canes with friends. I hope they don't have problems. Too. Well, it's, it's not so much a problem. For instance, peach trees only live for about 15 years. I live in the middle of a peach orchard. <laughs> yeah, so you know they're constantly replanting. Yes, so they I, are. I think the issue here, honestly, your symptoms sound like verticillium wilt. Yes, that's what I sort of thought. Um, the berries also get very crumbly. Yep, they, that, that is a fairly well-known disease. Yeah. I think it may be called something as sophisticated as crumbly berry disease. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but you can look that up and see what's going on, whether it's caused by a virus or mites or something like that. But my advice to you, quite honestly, is pull those plants out. You got your money's worth out of 10 or 12 years of that and get fresh starts. And get them from the same place, because if they lasted 10 or 12 years, you did fabulous. And then I would suggest simply planting them in another area if you have that option. That'll be a little harder. I, um, I have a, a real terrible problem with voles in my yard, and they got into all of my raised beds, mm-hmm. and then they moved into my raspberry patch, and... I'll have a bush that's growing and beautiful, and I've got berries that are huge, and they're getting ready to 
be picked, and all of a sudden it'll start to wilt. Yep, yep. And I put my hands in the ground, and I and there's no roots left, right? There's no roots left. Well, if when you don't have outdoor cats, and I realize that outdoor cats are um, very controversial, voles can be tough to control. And it's a sin because we're past Easter now. Because the easiest way to do this is during Lent. But if you, if you put up a cross beam in your garden, right around your raspberries, yeah. you know, a good solid, uh, you know, piece of lumber in the ground, and mm-hmm. a cross beam about six feet high, owls will perch on yeah. that at yeah. night. And they are the number one predator of voles. Wow. Mm. I eliminated voles at my local church. Um, I'll be darned. I have never heard that suggested. I tried everything. I even have hardware cloth around all of my raised beds, but yeah. over the years they've been heaving and they're yeah, going away tough. from the sides and they get in them and I'm just going crazy. It's tough. When you plant spring bulbs that are edible like tulips, you can fill the hole with sharp stones. And that generally works. But raspberries, as you know, they're always coming up someplace new and weird. So I think the answer is to enlist your local owls. They're not being nice. That This is what they do for a living. And you'll see they've got the voles (laughs) under control because you'll start to see owl pellets. Yes, yes. And that's that's the remains of your voles. So you can stand over... You can stand over the pellets and go, hey, was that a nice ride for you? Was that like Disneyland? We want to I'll keep you to entertained. Too. I have a chipmunk problem, too, with my blueberry bushes Look, tunneling under and around them. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, uh, well, I mean, give the, uh, give the chipmunks like a stone wall. Make, a, make something like that. That'll keep them amused. It will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Keeps, well, I, I have keeps me amused, but I'm easy. Them. All right. I, I live trap them. Okay, that's fine. Try that. But the uh-huh. voles put up a perch, and oh, you that know, great. maybe the owls, maybe raptors during the day will take care of uh, Chip and Dale too. Who knows? Oh, that wouldn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> I mean, I live trap them and take them away. You okay. know, but but if somebody in nature gets a meal out of it, that's not going to break my heart. Yeah, and don't bring them to my house, please. <laughs> no. I got enough. I got enough troubles. No. All right, Robbie. Well, thank you, you for your help. You take care. Good luck to you. Eric, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I am just Ducky. Thanks for asking. Eric, Ducky is still wearing his protective gear. He is social distancing from the robot. We're doing everything we can to keep everybody else safe. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Thanks. And where is Eric doing all right? Uh, Falls Church, Virginia, D.C. suburbs. Oh, okay. Very good. Well, what can we do you for? Uh, so, speaking of all this social distancing, uh, I am trapped at home and putting my garden together, and uh, I live in a townhouse, so I can't dig in the backyard. You know, right. it's, it's all sort of set, and so I'm setting up a container garden. Good. And the problem is that the area in my backyard that gets sun is basically all landscaped with just big uh, chunk gravel, you know, the big, I guess it's like pine bark or something. Right. Um, And so what I was worried about is whether setting the pots directly on that, on that sort of mulch will create a risk for slugs. I've, I've had my pots out on um, 
cement before concrete and, you know, the slugs would just get into everything and, and really decimate my plants. Um, and now that it's on the, the mulch, I don't know if there's any benefit to maybe lifting the pots up or, you know, somehow making them less accessible or if that basically just creates a cozy underside of the pots for them to play on and, you know, doesn't really address the problem. Well, it's good that you're thinking about this in advance. And if things go as scheduled, we're going to have another one of our hybrid episodes coming up with old calls, new calls, and a previous question of the week. And I chose slugs and snails mm. for that episode because things have been so wet over most of mm -hmm. the country the past couple of years. So one thing you can do is there is an organic slug bait that's been available for years now. It's iron phosphate wrapped in a yeasty bait. And slugs are attracted to yeast. That's why they'll drown in saucers of fresh beer. Um, but you spread these granules around, and the slugs go for the yeast, but then the iron uh, upsets their metabolism, and they pass away. Slugs are also unable to touch copper. So what some people will do is they'll get copper flashing at a home store. You know, it's readily available. It's what they put around chimneys and such to prevent leaks on roofs. And slugs cannot cross over copper. Matter of fact, they get an electric shock when they touch it. So that's one, you know, if you do that, if you do the, uh, oh, by the way, the brand names are at retail, it's called Sluggo, the slug bait. And okay. Gardens Alive sells it as, you got to get this now, Escar Go. So, but it's the same stuff. You'll look for iron phosphate as the active ingredient. Then the copper. Would, would, would you put that in the pots or around the base of the pot? I would pot? put it around the base of the pots. Slugs will crawl okay. on anything, man. You, okay. can, you can put these pots up on whatever you want. I can remember one terribly wet year in my garden. I found slugs in, in the, at the very top, at the pollen heads of my sweet corn, like six, seven feet off the ground. They were in the silks. It was amazing how fast they can travel in one evening. So I'd, I'd heard something about uh, using like some some rough stuff. Uh, I know that the what is it diet diatomaceous earth only really works when it's dry, but like the um, sweet gum balls or something like that. That, that would be really wonderful. Rough. Do you have a sweet gum tree around? Uh, in my neighborhood, we have some sweet gum trees and also chestnut trees that have those really like prickly outer husks. Horse chestnuts, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, if you've got the what we used to call itchy balls when I was a child, you can line those around the bottom of your pot and then again in the inside top. You may actually have the joy of coming out and seeing skewered slugs. <laughs> kind of like, you know, the old style. If you had a castle and you didn't want people coming up there unawares, you'd put the heads of people on pikes and their uniforms and their shields outside and say, this might not be the best place for you to come visit. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of something, you know, that, that works as passively as possible, sort of a set it and forget it kind of method. So well, uh, these, that would, that these, would things, these things do not decay. 
as you know, the the yeah. balls from the uh, the sweet gum tree. They they <laughs> they it'll be them and the cockroaches after the nuclear disaster. But I okay. wanted to give you one final tip, which okay. I learned from uh, my friend Martha Stewart, who really does know a lot of stuff and is very good at what she does. She got so just regusted at seeing slugs all over her potted plants, she hot glued pennies around the very top rim of the pots. You know, every almost everybody has this giant jar full of pennies that's too heavy to mm -hmm. do anything else with. So she hot glued them around the top, and I saw this in her garden, and I said, why didn't you put them down lower? And she said, I wanted them to get all the way to the top and then be electrocuted. Yeah, it's kind of the anti-Buddhist philosophy, but uh, <laughs> it sounds like you should be able to do well. All right. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. You have a good season. Stay safe. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody that you are listening to a brand new episode of You Bet Your Garden. Thanks to the fine decision-making powers of our supreme grand poobah, Tim Fallon and a pair of heavy-duty bolt cutters. But don't go trying to help us raid the vending machines just yet, because we'll be right back with more of your fabulous phone calls and timely information about the proper planting of food crops. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by Rodale Institute. Join the Rodale Institute online for tea time in your garden an online workshop on Wednesday, May 20th, wherein you will learn how compost tea can fertilize all your plants. Details and registration at RodaleInstitute.org. Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to an all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, we're going to continue to bring you, continue to bring you, yeah, continue to bring you. We're going to continue to bring you the basics of growing a lot of different food crops. There may be even some information in there some of you longtime gardeners were not aware of, were not aware of, was not aware of. Anyway, let's get to those fabulous phone calls first at 833-727-9588. Vince, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hello, Mike. How are you? I am just Ducky. Thanks for asking, Vince. And Ducky's wearing his protective gear, so it's safe. How are you, man? I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm staying at home. Yep. I'm, yeah. I'm listening to your advice. Absolutely. And where is home, Vince? Home is in South Jersey, Mullica Hill. Oh, sure. Not far um, from Cherry Hill, right? Uh, yeah, not that far. What exit, but, Vince? Uh, well, off of 55, uh, it's, it's actually... 
actually 53, I believe. Okay. Yeah. A lot of us don't know where we live, but we know how to get there. Yeah. Uh, But uh, Vince in Mullica Hill, what can we do you for? So my my question, Mike, is um, I'm I'm sorry. That's okay. uh, I'm from Mullica Hill. Initially, I was from South Philly. Sorry. Okay. No, South Philly where? uh, Ninth and Rittner. Okay, sure. And I never, I mean, I never had a, I never had a lawn. I never <laughs> had to grow anything. And, and basically, I'm not a gardener guy. I, I, I know no, all you Italian. did was walk to the Italian market. It, it, it was very simple. Yeah. I, 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 have, I have a black thumb. Mm-hmm. If I try to grow something, it dies. Right. And I didn't have, I didn't have a, a lawn or anything to worry about. So basically, I was in my 40s. Yeah. And I'm not good at it. So I'm, I'm, I'm 67 now, just about, and I have two-thirds of an acre to take care of. Right. And uh, I guess I'm not really doing that good of a job with it. Most of my neighbors do much better than I do. Their lawns are pristine. They don't have, you know, if they have weeds, they, they, they try to stamp them out, or, mm-hmm. you know, and they want me to get on board and kill the weeds in my yard because... They think it's infecting, and they're probably right. They're, it's infecting their yards, making their lives more difficult. Well, who? On the other hand, wait a minute. Who yes, cuts your yes. lawn? I cut my lawn. And what I do you cut, cut my it own with? Lawn. <clears throat> I have a I have a riding mower. Okay. And um, are you sure I to have, cut it high? I cut it. I cut it on highest setting I can. Okay. And you leave the clippings on the lawn. I do. Yes. And do you ever feed it? I I. Do absolutely nothing to the back of my yard, which is the majority of my ground. Right. The front, the front, I've contracted with a lawn care company, and they they come out five or six times a year and treat my front. And yeah, so that's yeah, that's at least three or four times too many. See, one of the okay. issues with lawn care companies, and I feel bad for these people, is they only get paid for showing up. But like Jefferson said about democracy, um, the less you do, the better the lawn's going to look. But you you should do a couple of things. And that would be a gentle feeding (laughs) in the spring and a bigger feeding in late summer, early fall. Um, But uh, now, is this a commercial lawn care company? Do they do organic? I I don't know that they do organic. They they. They say that they use environmentally friendly stuff. I can tell you what they just put down. Okay. Um, that they just they just came here uh, within the last week. They put down uh, um, a slow a spring application, a slow release fertilizer with zero point two nine prodidamine, pre-emerging crabgrass control. That's yeah, that's we, that's a chemical herbicide that's cancer causing. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not crazy about using them, but I, I you know, I, well, I think first of all, shop around. Pressure. I don't know what name they have, but um, I get mailings from people like Natural Lawn of America and places yeah. like that. And, you know, my hope is that you can at least negotiate with them and mm-hmm. say something like no chemical herbicides. No high nitrogen fertilizers and no phosphorus. Okay. I mean, that's what you want. No chemical right. herbicides. 
a mm -hmm. nice slow release nitrogen fertilizer that's in the single numbers and no mm -hmm. phosphorus. If you lived in Virginia or Maryland, your lawn care company wouldn't be allowed to use phosphorus or high levels of nitrogen. Um, okay. There is one area in D.C., and I should remember this off the top of my head, uh, I think it's Montgomery County in D.C., um, well, in, in Maryland or Virginia, um, that has outlawed the use of all lawn herbicides because this mm -hmm. stuff is killing the Chesapeake Bay and killing right. people. Not I mean, this is it. not the time to deliberately <clears throat> invoke a weakened immune system. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe what you're saying. No. Now, so I, I think you got to talk to these people. I'm sure you signed a contract. But mm -hmm. tell them it's going to be the last contract if they continue to use chemical herbicides. Try to negotiate with them. I and, will do that. and I would be suspicious of anything they would come out and do in the summer. I mean, okay. you may have to pay them to stay at home, you know, which would make them like three quarters of the workforce in America right now, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're all getting used to being paid to stay home. <laughs> well, I'm lucky I'm retired, so I've. I've been, I've been paid to stay home for a couple of years now. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to know? Because if you continue to cut it at three inches, return yeah. the clippings to the lawn, don't do let that. these jamokes yeah. put chemicals down on it, um, mm -hmm. things should work out. I mean, uh, do you have bare spots? Do you have giant patches of weeds? I have giant patches of weeds. I don't, I don't really have bare spots. The weeds will fill them in quickly enough that my... Most of my, my backyard is almost all weeds. You yeah, know, but nobody sees plant. the backyard, right? Well, my neighbors do, and, and you know, they're not happy about it. They so make, are, are, they, are, are, are they making noise about both yards? Um, they're, they're making noise about my yard. They have. Which yeah. one? They, uh, mostly the back. Mostly okay. The back. Yeah. Uh, because you just let that go. Yeah, but you do mow it at three inches. You do leave I, the clippings on the lawn. I I do mow that lower. Why? Know, but, uh, well, I, I guess they're to save time. You know. No, it, no, it, no, it, no. That's a misnomer. Yeah. When you cut your lawn between below three inches, it grows yeah. as fast as it can uh, to right. replace that because you're trying to kill it. It needs three inches uh, to collect solar <laughs> energy. And you wind up cutting it more often. Yeah. Piece okay. of cake. Well, I'll, I'll, Go out. I'll, listen. I, I listen to me. Go out and get okay. your blade sharpened if you haven't done that already. Or get yeah, a new blade. Cut as high in the back and the weeds will gradually lessen. Okay. And again, I'll a gentle that. feet. Maybe you uh, make a deal with these guys. Instead of coming out in the summer and killing your lawn... Maybe they right. can move some of the money over to gentle feedings of your back lawn in the spring and late summer. Nothing should be done in summer. Okay. All righty. All right, man? I will, I will take your advice, Michael. Thank you. And if it isn't, uh, you know, if, if that doesn't work out for you, go back to the old homeland. <laughs> the parking's too tough over there. Oh, don't tell don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah. All right, Vince. Take care, man. Thank you very much, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that number to call, 833-727-9588.
Cameron, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Cameron. You're a Cameron? Where, uh, where does that come from? My mother, she wanted my name to be unique. And that was when she still thought I was a boy when she was pregnant. Oh, okay. So um, how's that worked out for you in life? I've been called Carmen. I've been asked how to spell my name because they think it's spelled with a C. Uh -huh. And, yeah, it's pretty much just, hey, my name's Cameron. Okay, C-A-M. <laughs> oh, no, it's K. <laughs> All right. That's interesting. And where does Cameron live? I live in Joplin, Missouri. Oh, okay. Very good. Always nice to hear from our fans down there. What can we do you mm -hmm. for? So I'm calling to ask how I can keep a lilac alive and healthy in a pot temporarily. Oh, okay. Well, you know, new lilacs are, you know, very often, if not always, sold in pots so there shouldn't be mm -hmm. too much trouble here um how did you acquire your uh lilac i actually got this one from walmart in a sack actually in a sack uh-huh it was a plastic sack that had uh material in it and the instruction said to soak it Good. soak the roots for a couple of, up to a couple of hours while I prepared where it was supposed to be planted. Right. That, and that's, uh, you know, especially for Wally World, that's excellent advice. It's always good to soak the roots of a bare root plant. Now, why did it go into a pot instead of the ground? Because this is actually going to be my mom's Mother's Day gift. Right. And we're taping this show uh, back in um, April. So you have to keep this puppy going for another month, which shouldn't be a problem. Um, mm -hmm. What did you use for soil? Uh, potting soil and okay. a little bit of topsoil. Oh, okay. That's not bad. And um, do you have a spot picked at your mom's house? I don't, but she's the one who's better at gardening than I am, for okay. sure. Um, and uh, do you have the tree form or the shrub form? Uh, I presume the shrub form, but that, I that's more common. Don't know. Yeah, they even even the tree form tends to be like wildly branching. So because this this little guy is a stick with a shoot, one shoot. Okay. And, uh, well, this time of year in Pennsylvania, the lilacs are not yet blooming, but they are leafing out. So, uh, but yours is showing signs of life, for instance. Yeah. Uh-oh. It's not healthy, though. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, it sounds like it's a baby. It sounds like it may have been abandoned, hoping that you would come and, <laughs> and adopt it before it went into the dumpster. But uh, they're actually pretty hardy plants. Now, is it outside? No, because it's been freezing the past few nights. Real? Okay. So, wow. I mean, crazy weather all over the country. Right. You're technically supposed to have been long past that kind of weather. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, take it out during the day. 
mm-hmm. and bring it in when it starts to get chilly at night. It could really use some sunlight. They are sun lovers. And when you plant it or when your mom plants it, make sure it's an area that gets full sun. And as she may already know, it as she needs to be patient. It takes... Um, newly installed lilacs a year or two to get over the shock. And then it takes them another year or two um, to get big enough to bloom. But once it starts blooming, it will bloom more and more fully every year, especially if it's in full sun. Oh, yeah. My grandmother used to have one. And that's actually kind of the reason I was giving her a lilac, because I gave her a cutting from that one. But my younger brother mowed it. Oh, yeah, baby. Well, so uh, I'm giving her a new one. Uh-huh. Yeah, and don't be afraid. This is the perfect time of year. Is Grandma's house still available? It's not. Uh, my grandma died a few years ago, so my grandpa burned the bush down. Okay. To make it easier to mow around his house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Boy, garden centers must love your family. Uh <laughs> There, here they come, the monsters. <laughs> My mother is great at gardening, though. She has beautiful roses good. all over her house. Good, good. Well, and that's not easy in Missouri, you know, when it gets so... No, uh, it's not. When it gets real humid over the summer. Oh, yeah. So, the fun part is, is she had original roses, and they evolved into double knockouts. Okay, that's interesting evolved into, um, generally that happens when it's a grafted rose and the graft gets covered or otherwise dies, and then uh, you get the rose that the rootstock would have uh, produced. It could be. She's had these roses for several years now, Mm -hmm. and she's had to replant several of them. Yeah, Uh, people get confused because when you have a grafted plant, you know, they always get confused as to whether you should bury the graft or keep the graft above ground. But you should always keep the graft above ground and oh, visible. Yeah. But you don't have to worry about that. Take it out any day um, where the temperature is normal. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the rain is fine. In bright sun is fine. But get it outside. Get it acclimated a little bit. But if the temperature is going to drop below 40, bring it inside. Oh, yeah. That's kind of why I haven't taken it outside yet. It's still not above 40. Yeah. Oh, boy. This is crazy all over the place. So, and as uh, you know, it, it likes to be out in the open. It likes to be all alone with lots of airflow and lots of sun. And other than that, they uh, they behave pretty well. And, of course, that's you know the, the flowers. That's the best fragrance in the garden. Oh, my goodness, yes. All right. Well, good luck to you. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. Be safe and uh, enjoy your lilacs in a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that every single one of my spring and summer events has been canceled, postponed, or sent to the prison planet of Nebula 7. But don't go trying to say, fascinating, in the voice of the late, great Leonard Nimoy just yet because we'll be right back with more of your fabulous phone calls and timely information about the proper planting of food crops. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to an all-new You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. 
Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden, coming to you from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we are in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to the question of the week, where we continue to help first-timers and newbies, that's anybody before their fifth year, get as much right as possible in this year, where we really want to be outside being successful. But first, a couple more of your successful phone calls at 833-727-9588. Cheryl, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thank you, Mike. I really enjoy your show, and your voice sounds great. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, it's the only talent I have, and I, I learned it in college. It's not my real voice even, but um, yeah. Wow. So, so far, it's prevented me from having to actually work hard for a living, so I love it. I love it. Uh, so, well, where is Cheryl? Norfolk, Virginia. All right. <laughs> what can we do for Cheryl in Norfolk? Well, I had some potatoes that were going bad in the kitchen, and I said, I think I'll take them outside and put them in a pot. Okay. And I forgot about it, and then the, um, just maybe a week ago, I noticed this beautiful green foliage mm-hmm. coming out. I mean, they're gorgeous. Right, yeah. So I took it, and I put it out on the back deck where it gets sun, and it's grown a foot mm-hmm. in about a week. And I'm just wondering, will I be able to have edible potatoes? Should I replant this? In a oh container? no, there's no once once the above ground growth appears, there's um, really no way you can replant. How big is this container? Um, it's about as high as a forearm, and the diameter is about a forearm, which is I guess a foot. Okay, uh, a foot high and a foot. Diameter. Okay, so a 12-inch pot, you know, because um, when you talk about pot size, the the height is the is the diameter as well. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, good. Oh yeah, yeah, 17-inch pot, 17 inches high, 17 inches wide, 12-inch pot, same thing. Um, oh, that is handy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, potatoes. It's a little-known fact. But potatoes actually can go out very early in the season. Uh, we planted our potatoes a couple of weeks ago, and you're in a much warmer climate than I am in uh, Pennsylvania, and you are surrounded by every type of water known to God and man. So yep. you, everything there is generally more mild, and I know for a fact that you've had a very mild winter. So yeah. Yeah, you will get potatoes. What's going to happen is is that, oh, yes, it's so exciting, so exciting. Um, uh, the greenery will continue to grow. Um, do you have, like, any organic plant food around? Uh, Uh-oh. You better I don't, don't introduce I don't any miracles to this, you know. 
Yeah, I I don't. I was thinking I might shop online for some stuff. Yeah, or you have garden centers in your area. I believe they're open. Oh yeah. Yeah, get a yep. nice get a nice liquid organic fertilizer and give it a dilute feeding like every two, three weeks, somewhere around there. Just make sure it has the energy to form lots of potatoes for you. And uh, the greenery will continue to grow. And then, believe it or not, it will flower. It will produce flowers in the center of the greenery. It'll have a little stalk go up. And the color of the flowers will reflect Reflect, will reflect, reflect, reflect the colors of the potato uh, that you planted. For instance, if you plant a red skin, you'll get flowers at the top that are pinkish red. If you plant one of those crazy purple potatoes, same thing, you'll get purple. If you plant Yukon Golds, you'll get a buttery yellow. And if you planted a plain old russet, you'll just get white flowers. But the flowers are very interesting. They're very pretty. They're very small, and after the flowers fade, you should pinch off that flower head and mark the date on your calendar. Three weeks to a month after that, you can pull the plant up and you will have baby potatoes, quote, new potatoes, uh, finger oh my gosh. potatoes, which of course are the tastiest. And honestly, in a pot, there's gonna be a limit to how big they can grow anyway. So I would harvest three to six weeks after you pinch those flowers off, and you'll have these small to medium-sized, very tasty potatoes. The smaller the potato, the higher the concentration of sugars, and the tastier they are. And if you've never grown potatoes before, I urge you to take one of the nicest ones, just rinse it off real well with plain water, and bite into it. It will be juicy. It won't be like the potatoes you buy in the supermarket. It'll be like biting into a ripe tomato. Wow. I, my, um, we have grown potatoes before, my father and my husband. I said I grew potatoes, but, you know, they're the ones that did it. Right. Um, I have had one out of the ground, and I know what you're talking about. And I'm so excited. I'm going to have red flowers. Oh, excellent, because you planted a red skin. Yes. Yeah, excellent. So, and, you know, there's still plenty of time. Uh, go to a garden center or go online, and you'll have even better luck with certified seed potatoes. You can buy any kind of variety, and as you know, just plant them in the loosest soil you have, about six inches deep. And that's it. They're very carefree. Well, if I want to have more potatoes, I mean, what's, what, if you were doing this on a deck, what size? would you buy? Bigger the better. The bigger the better. Yes, okay. 17 incher would be uh, would be fabulous. Um, if there's enough room underground, you theoretically get five pound potatoes for every seed potato you plant. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. Um, the other thing I did was I put a piece of cel you know, celery, the celery hearts you buy in the grocery store. Right. I planted one of those and that's coming up too. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's getting to be a new trend, uh, regrowing your vegetables. We're going to cover that in an upcoming show. Oh, I'm, I can't wait to hear it all. All right. Well, you, you enjoy your potatoes. I'll tell you what, if you're good at this kind of thing, send us a picture of your uh, pretty potato flowers. I will. I'm so excited. Thank you so much.
so very much. Our pleasure. You have a, you stay safe and have a good season. All right, as promised, here it comes, the question of the week. More advice for gardeners in training. Harry in New Brunswick writes, my girlfriend and I are young gardeners in our third season, expanding every year. We listen avidly to your show, do research, and ask family members who are longtime gardeners for advice. Now, some of our family's tactics are old school and do not align with some of yours, like tilling the soil and using manure. Now, we have two main questions. Numero uno, we did not have time last fall to do any mulch leaf compost as winter came early and we were on the road a lot. We're musicians, and this year we won't be touring due to COVID-19. So we're wondering how to prepare our beds for this season. The soil has received two seasons worth of horse manure compost, hmm, I wonder what that means, mixed with our native soil. Could you suggest ideas on how to prepare these beds? As our family has suggested to add nothing and till them, but I am reluctant. The beds are raised, but they are simply rounded, no frames, sort of like the French intensive method that you've spoken about on the show. Our aunt suggested this method when we first started. Okay, well this question raised a lot more questions with me, so I asked how big the beds were and what they expected to grow. The answer, the beds are four by six and four by eight and around eight to 12 inches tall. There would be peppers, tomatoes, onions, lettuce, beets, peas, beans, herbs, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, zucchini, and carrots. We've also started a new bed this spring for corn and potatoes. Okay. The first thing you have to realize is that these are vastly different crops timing-wise. Lettuce and peas will only do well in the spring. Now, lettuce will do just as well, maybe even better in the fall. But timing a fall crop of peas is beyond tricky, even for experienced gardeners. Broccoli and Brussels sprouts are also cool weather crops but you can cut the main head off of your broccoli when it starts to get hot, and the plant will produce tasty side shoots in the fall. That's a great trick that I don't talk about often enough. Now, Brussels sprouts, I'm sorry, they're like escargot, proof that anything can taste good if you saturate it with enough butter and garlic. It's also a cool weather crop, but a weird one. It'll grow nicely in the spring and in the summer. But if harvested in the summer, those spooky little heads will have an off taste. I would sarcastically ask how anybody could tell, but then I'd get all you Brussels sprout lovers mad at me. Both of you. The answer is patience. Wait until after a few frosts in the fall, and the mustardy taste will resolve into a pleasant sweetness. Or so I'm told. And the plants are super frost hardy. Bend them to the ground and cover them with straw or shredded leaves when it gets really cold, and you can harvest them throughout the winter. Kind of the same with carrots. Harvest them young and small in the spring before the weather gets hot. Then sow another run for fall, waiting to pick them until after cold weather concentrates their sugars. 
Now, carrots should not be fed strong fertilizers, even natural ones like your horse manure, and should be grown in your loosest, lightest soil, not in any place where people have been walking on it. Same for beets, loose soil and don't harvest in hot weather. As we always stress, fruiting crops like tomatoes and peppers do not do well with horse manure alone. It's all nitrogen and will grow big plants with few fruits. Good old yard waste compost is a much better bet. But you can mix fresh horse manure with shredded leaves in the fall and make great balanced compost for the following season. Now, about horse manure. Like wood ash, it is a prime example of just because you have a lot of something doesn't make it good for your garden. It would be perfect for your sweet corn, but only if it's completely composted. That means it looks like good soil, isn't warm to the touch, and doesn't smell like poop anymore. If it isn't fully composted, it'll grow more weeds than food. Same with tilling. Tilling destroys soil structure, releases nutrients, adds to greenhouse gases, and uncovers and then buries untold numbers of weed seeds, which will turn into real weeds, which will be devil you all season long. One of the big advantages of having a raised bed garden is that you shouldn't be stepping on the soil. So there's no need to till. Just add two inches of compost a year to the surface. Do not till it in. And don't waste a raised bed on sweet corn. Sweet corn has a tendency to fall over in loose soil. It is the perfect crop for flat earth. And try growing your potatoes in an above ground box or bin. More raised bedroom for your tomatoes. Question number two. No, we're not done yet. We are planning to use our pond this summer to water our garden. It has koi fish and frogs in it. We were wondering if we should have the water tested first or just make sure we wash our veggies well. Well, pond water contains fish poop and silt, which are exceptional additions to a vegetable garden, better even than rainwater. And you always want to wash your produce, no matter who grew it or how. Well, that sure was some interesting advice on how to avoid abject failure this season, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, you can read that information over at your leisure or your leisure because the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to force feed me Brussels sprouts if I don't get out of this studio. Man, we really must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming, teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please. Include your location. 
You'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, Oi! and links to our internationally renowned podcast. Don't miss that, kids. It's all at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by the comedy team of Burns and Schreiber. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer, sequestered engineer, is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Plus the stars Eric Werner, Joyce Randolph, Zach the Tack, Art Carney, Jake Morris, and Audrey Meadows. Thanks to our fearless leader, CEO Tim Fallon, who either keeps allowing us to come in to take new shows or still has no idea that we're coming in here. He's pretty busy sleeping from home. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, saying keep your distance, tend your garden, register to vote, eat lots of peaches, grow lots of tomatoes, and I'll see you again next week. Hey, boy. Hey, boy. Where's the ball? Where's the ball? <gasps> Ready? <gasps> Go get it, boy. That's a good boy. Drop it. Drop it. Good boy. Good boy. Loyal partners. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org.